Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with acclaimed jazz vocalist Kate Baker. She spoke at length about her new 2022 CD, Return to Shore, done with her late husband and celebrated guitarist Vic Juris. The first single, God Only Knows, is coming out on September 23, 2022, in connection with Vic's September 26th birthday. This album chronicles a moving love story produced by the great guitarist Dave Stryker. In late December 2019, Vic passed away after a relatively brief but valiant battle with neuroendocrine cancer. His untimely death at the age of 66 gave way to a crater in the music community. For over 40 years, he was a master of the jazz craft. Kate is a skilled vocalist whose impact on the contemporary music scene is huge, especially as an educator and vocal coach. She opens up about quite a bit. Enjoy this interview. Well, thanks for taking a minute out today. Oh, of course. I so look forward to it, and thank you for having me. My pleasure. So before we get into this wonderful yeah. album with Vic, I want to I cover what has been kind of the elephant in the room for the last couple of years, which has been this pandemic, and it really kind of turned a lot of yeah. the entertainment arts industry on its ear. And I'm wondering, how did you survive through that period? And how did it change you now that we're coming out of it? Oh, my God. You know, it was really interesting. It was really a lesson in how do you fall and pick yourself up. Because for me, what happened was uh, Vic died and then the pandemic hit. So it was like, okay, so that, you know, a lot of the tools that you would use, you know, to help yourself out of, you know, the grief is through people and things like that. Well, I wound up having Christmas here alone with my family on Zoom. You know, I was like, so all those things, you know, it, it became a real, I had a search within. So I wound up starting to write music. I wound up, you know, just really soul searching in, in a meditative way, you know, through that. And um, that, that's how I kind of handled that. And then when I got out of it, um, that's actually the pandemic was still on and Dave Stryker came over and he said, come on, let me see what else you have. Because when we were recording, I mean, when we were, when we had the funeral, we played, I've grown accustomed to his face. And he says, do you have more of that? And he said, yeah. So he came over and we started to work on this project, which was really cathartic. And, um, and that's how everything started to happen. And that really healed me because when I was in the midst of the project, I I had a frozen shoulder, like I couldn't move my shoulder and my neck. And then the day we finished, it released. And then I looked up, grief and frozen shoulder, and there it was. <laughs> so, wow. um, right? So I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. So it was like, you know, so it was really cathartic, you know, and, you know, in, in, on all sides. You know, and then I would hear about so many people and have so much compassion for people who had lost their family members or whatever. So it was, it was a real time for, to put your priorities in place of what's important in your life. And so that's what it was for me. Like I, I want to take the lessons that I've learned from that and keep them in my life forever. So, and that's, yeah. you know. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes total sense. And I remember growing up, you know, I was used to see, you know, the greatest generation and all of these stories of people that would go through these enormous struggles and grief and things like that. And I'm thinking, man, I don't want to have anything to do with that. But life is going to give it to you. <laughs> you know? It totally is, right? Yeah, but if, uh, coming out of that, which is something you don't know because you're young and dumb, there's yeah. a wisdom. And there's a way that we 
see the other side and appreciate it when we go through something like that. For something like this pandemic, which we hadn't had anything like that since 1914, and most of us don't have a memory of it, this was a yeah. shared boat we were all rowing in, and we all had to figure it out. And then, you know, unfortunately, you lose people. But, you know, there's so many levels of this of growth that, you know, there's a silver lining to everything. So I, I, I like that word, cathartic. I've heard that a lot with recordings and projects and things that have come out of this because I think that's, that's a very, it's just a very sound way of looking at things and it's, it's a good healing process. You know, it's really funny because I think that um, we were forced to be introspective and for me, I was forced that way when Vic got sick and then when, when he passed. So it was like, you know, I'm like, dear Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? And the interesting thing that happened also is at the same time that Vic died, right after that, I had these two big dogs. I don't know if you were ever on social media. Vic would always post about them, Jimmy. Jimmy Hendrix and Ella Fitzgerald, two golden doodles. Well, they died also. So when that happened, I said, okay, what am I supposed to learn here? <laughs> what is the yeah. message that, you know, when, when, when you're left like that. And it was really interesting. And for me, I also think it was to learn to stand alone, you know, and, and, and yet, and I learned the, really about kindness through that whole process. So let's talk about this album now that it's out. Okay. And, you know, just how did this, how did this project come about? And, you know, we kind of talked about it coming to fruition and how it feels, but how did the, how did the, all of this happen to finally get to where it's out now? Oh, God. Okay. It started with Dave Stryker coming over at the house and taking a listen, you know, and we had to dig through files. I'm like, okay, what do, what do I have here? Because originally, Vic and I were planning on doing a duo project. We were originally going to have Tech and Patty produce us. So right before Vic got sick, in fact, the day that he went in the hospital, we recorded Return to Shore, which is on there, God Only Knows, and also uh, Moonscape. So two originals in that. And when he was recording, I'm like, Vic, are you all right? He's just, I feel a little nauseous. So that's how, so we had those tracks. That's when everything started. And so then we had some older tracks because every now and then we would go into the studio and say, what is this? we would get a, a really nice response when we would perform live. And so uh, we're like, okay, let's take it in the studio. And that's a little scary because you don't have the audience there. So we went into Paul's studio, Paul Wycliffe, and we recorded. That's where we have I've Grown Accustomed to His Face, um, The Moon's a Harsh Mistress, Madalena, and Black Crow. So we had those. So, you know, we were, and Dave's like, these are good, Kate. <laughs> and then when we were at my house, I had originally recorded a song, Are You Kind? And, and we also had Blackberry Winter, too. And that song I had written with my friend, Sherry Miller. And I wrote it for my father. And now I'm like, oh, my God. And so Vic and I just put it down on guitar in the house. I'm like, oh, my goodness, well, we have this. So some of them I re-sang because I wanted to sing them with a the perspective that um, he's not here anymore. And I guess the, the whole interesting thing with this, because Vic and I would always argue, I'm like, Vic, we, before going to see Tech and Patty, I said, Vic, you know what? We, we have no theme here. There's no theme. There's, no, there's nothing connecting all these tunes. Maybe we should pick other songs. 
And he's like, Kate, what do you mean? And the funny thing was, there was a theme. And then when I looked at it after Vic passed, I realized that the universe was telling us all along because every single song is about what we went through, was about losing the person you love, you know, God only knows, uh, about like Return to Shore, which is my original, and Returning Home, Moonscape, about looking back on your life and seeing, you know, reflecting back. You know, even Black Crow, for me, was really significant because that's the song Joni Mitchell wrote, because Black Crow was how I felt after it all happened. I felt lost. You know, like I was diving down. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do musically? What, you know, where's my life now? You know, and, um, and now we're in a pandemic. So I think that was um, really interesting and it made me really look at the universe in another way, you know. And then I sang, Are You Kind? And I, I re-sung that because I wanted to sing it for my father. And the same as Black, Blackberry Winter, you know, I'll never get over losing you. But I know that life goes on and the memories go dim. You know, so all these songs, so I re-sang that and both sides now because I wanted to sing it to him. And when we were in the studio with Paul and with Dave, I, I just would close my eyes because a lot of this was rubato. So I would just feel Vic and his spirit because that was a hard thing to do uh, with the timing, you know. And so I could feel his presence and that's how we got through those songs. And it was really helpful because Dave, uh, Dave was there, and and Paul too, with um, with knowing to. We did one tops two takes. That was it. And he, he'd be like, "That's enough. You did it." I was like, "Oh my god." He always went for the feeling. You know, what did it feel like? You know, I really felt this. Leave it. It doesn't have to. Be, it's not about being perfect. It's about feeling. And that was a really good lesson for me. You know, because as a singer, well. You know, we're always like, oh, it's got to be perfect. But this, we went for, oh, it's got to be in my heart. And sometimes because it is imperfect, it's perfect. So uh, I started to learn about myself even through this process, you know, of, of knowing when to work hard and knowing when to trust and knowing when to leave it alone. And I could feel my husband in every take that was on that record. Since the backbone of this is a love story, talk to me about how you and Vic met and kind of how you got to the point where you knew that this was the one and, and just kind of walk me down that path. Okay. It's interesting how it started was I knew from day one with Vic, you know, if you ever look across the room and you, and I just knew it started, I originally, um, when I was young, I was in my um, late teens, I took guitar lessons from him and um, we didn't date then. And, and, but he would always get a kick out of me, you know, because I was young. You know, my car didn't really work. I had to climb through the window. And, um, <laughs> and I used to do a solo and I used to play guitar and sing. And so we would always have these fun lessons. And then I stopped and I hadn't seen him for years. And at that point, um, I was uh, then divorced. I went to Baptist school to William Patterson. And all of a sudden, he saw me in the halls. He's like, oh, my God. And, and, and I, I knew from that look. And then I had a dream that I was going to marry him. Can you believe it? And wow. So, and and I, I just, so I, I just knew. Like, the, you know, we would argue. Like, we had differences of opinions. We had, 
we were different on so many issues, but there was this thing that was there that was this love, the, you know, that, you know, that something that brought us together. So he finally asked me out, um, and then, then we started dating, but I wouldn't let him hear me sing. He goes, I can't believe you're not going to let me hear you. I go, no, because we're going to have to break up if you don't like it. So let's enjoy this for a little while. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> he goes, oh, you are so weird. So, uh, but he, you know, it was funny. So fun. I had my first gig singing jazz at trumpets, and and he goes, you're playing at trumpets. He said, yeah. And he and he he goes, but you're playing with all my friends, like all my. And you won't let me come? I said, no, you can't. <laughs> so, um, so, so then I was, I was singing on stage, and all of a sudden, I'll never forget, because it was Walt for Debbie, and in he walked, and I knew I couldn't jump off the stage. And, you know, and then he had a big smile on his face, and the place was packed. And so he went up to the bar. I think he was so relieved that he bought the whole bar drinks. <laughs> he was like, drink wow. on me. So I'm like, ah, oh, you're so relieved I, I didn't. I wasn't terrible, <laughs> but you know, and then and then we didn't. I didn't want to play with him either. I said, no, I have to make my own way. And um, and then we, I was doing. I was working a lot at the time because for me, in in order to sing, I had to do it. I had to feel it, do it, understand the history. That's what um, brings it alive for me. Even though I was in school, so. I couldn't find a guitar player one night because my guitar player canceled, and and he's and he's at my apartment. I w I must have went through the list of everyone. He said, "Kate, I'm sitting here. You're not going to use me." I said, "No," <laughs> and I kept yeah. calling. And finally, there's I, I go, "All right, there's nobody else." <laughs> he starts laughing, and then so then we did the gig, and it was really nice, and and we never stopped playing since, and that's how we so started. So how about you? Talk to me a little bit about how your fascination and love of not only singing but jazz came about. Oh, God. You know, it's funny. I, um, it, that's an interesting story. I remember, you know, when I was younger, I used to play in the guitar mass. I would always sing. I, I would sing to get out of raking leaves and, and play the guitar in my room. Or, you know, um, we would sing... Um, on our front lawn where everyone would grab a guitar and, and come outside and, and, and play music. So that was a really nice way of doing that. And I think it, for me also it was a social thing because when maybe I felt a little shy and um, I remember some of the neighbors said, oh, she sings, and they would come over and then all of a sudden I was accepted, you know. <laughs> so, um, so music kind of, it was my way of expressing myself when I couldn't do it with words. When I felt too shy to say something, I knew it was my secret place where I could say the truth and I could be vulnerable because I didn't really like to be vulnerable on the outside, but I knew it was my secret place to be vulnerable when I'm singing. I could go there. So it was a really a release for me and, um, and a way of communicating. So that's why I kept doing it. And... Um, uh, and then it, it kept evolving. And then it was interesting. Again, the spirit world uh, introduced me to jazz because we were with my family um, at Seaside Heights. I don't know if you've ever been there, but there's a boardwalk there. 
And so I spun and I won a record, but I won, of course, they had jazz on the lower level. So I won on this certain level and there was a CD of Shirley Horn and I haven't heard of her because I wasn't listening to jazz at the time. I was young. I said, I want that record. And because we had the same name, my maiden name was Horn. So I bought that record. I came home. I played it and like I never stopped playing it. So she is to this day one of my biggest um, idols. There's nobody that could deliver a story there. And also, I remember seeing her at the Vanguard, and um, and it was it brought you to tears. It was so moving, and so that's how. I, then I wanted more. Then I started listening to Billie Holiday, Peggy Lee, the, you know every you know all all different you know artists, and that's how I began singing jazz. And then oh. I went to Liam Patterson also. So after all of this time, you're obviously in a craft that you've loved. You've dedicated yourself to it. What do you like the best about being a professional singer? Oh, you know what I like? I like, well, first of all, I think it's a real, um, I'm really lucky to be able to express myself for a living, you know, and I, I like the fact that I'm, I'm playing with my colleagues. I love the fact that I love to go to work. And I love to give back. I love to, um, you know, sing so people feel. And my job is to um, to to be authentic and and hopefully um, touch people. So uh, I, I take that as a huge privilege to be able to do. And hopefully, you know, um, uplift someone or or remind them of something that in their from their youth or. Um, get to know people. It's really nice. You know, we have this wonderful community. I think of jazz almost like a culture, and I'm so lucky to have that culture in my life because we have a real community of family with people that aren't necessarily blood family, but they're our family, and we have an understanding without words. You know, when you understand this music, it makes you think outside the box, and it makes you have a better um, understanding of people. So that's what I love about it. So, you know, everyone's going to, everyone out there that knows Vic and his music or has been touched by him has the perception of who, who he is. But as a spouse, you have a special insight. How would you like the world to remember who Vic really was? Oh, my God. Vic, Vic was kind. Vic had a dry sense of humor. Vic, um, you know, he worked so hard at his craft. He practiced all the time, and he would. He, I, I think one of the most profound things that um, that happened to us through him getting cancer was how real it got. And so I remember one thing. Um, I think I think I want the world to know this. That was really um, important. After he had an operation, one of the um, and we were in the hospital, he was coming out of anesthesia, and he said, Kate, I know the secret. I'm like, what? What's the secret? He goes, he said, I know the secret. He kept saying that. I'm like, all right, what is it? He said, improvisation. I said, what? He said, it's a gift from God. And I thought, you know, I, not only was he 
worked really hard because you have to work really hard and work at your craft, but he also had a spiritual side. And I think that's what I want people to know too. It, it, was, it was really deep. So that's where he could go when he was playing, when he would just let go and go free. I, I would always say, Vic, you, you're always able to go free, you know, and, and I think he was able to do that in his life also. You know, if anyone needed anything, he was there for them. We had students at our house um, when Vic got sick constantly who loved him, and he was so kind and good to you know, he would do things like we played for free at, at a place called Hat City. He said, bring the kids down once a week. Let's, let's, um, let's get him to, to all sit in. Like he wanted to make sure he gave back. And he, you know, and he was very sick. So I, I think that that's it, you know. And um, we talked and I said, you know, Vic, you are so loved. And people love you so much. I think you're exactly where you should be, you know. I think you were meant to not only be an amazing guitar player, but also to pass down this information and to be a vehicle for that. And he has so many students who are now amazing guitar players that, that feel that way. And I think that's also his legacy. So everyone has a perception of you as well, your family, <laughs> your friends, your fans. But ultimately, you're the one that's living your life. What's your yeah. perception of you? Who do you think you are? Oh, God. I think I am, let's see, feisty. <laughs> I, think, um, I think I, you know, I, I think I'm a mixture of a lot of things, you know. Uh, what I try to be as authentic as I possibly can, I think I try to be as kind as I can. And I think the most important thing I've learned through all this is to learn that love is the most important thing. So I try to live that way now more. You know, everybody has like multiple sides of themselves, at least I do anyway, you know. So like the good part of myself, uh, you know, I try to stay on track with that <laughs> and, um, and be as real as I possibly can. So I think when people meet me or know me, they know because I teach a lot too that um, – that I do have a kind heart, and um, and I am feisty. <laughs> so I like those two things. <laughs> I, I, I sense that. So before we get off here, tell everybody where the best place is to pick up the brand new album and anything that you might be doing as far as shows and anything as the world starts opening up more. Oh yes. Okay, so I am where they can get the album is Bandcamp, Kate Baker and Vic Juris. Juris. That's where they can get that. And also, I'm playing at Mesro um, Jazz Forum uh, in October. I'm also playing at uh, the CD release is going to be at Birdland on November 30th. And um, let's see. And where else am I playing? On my website, which is, we did a dual website, katebakerandvictorious.com. They can get all the information for any of the shows and, and also links to the band camp buy the record and we hope you like it (laughs) yeah oh i have no doubt yeah hey thank you this has been wonderful thanks for opening up about your life and music about this this album and, and and in between i really appreciate it 
Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Joe. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest vocalists and players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Kate for her time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.